Hey guys, welcome back to Couple Goals with us and I'm. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. Good. It's Father's I, Day. I made the mistake of putting on Toy Story 3 and Maggie got upset. So she's kind of down in the dump. So I'm going to do my best to bring her back up to her energetic self. Yeah, he made me sad. I We got about eight minutes into the movie. I don't know if you've seen Toy Story 3, but nothing... I don't nothing, know if you know this, but I have a kid who's about to go off to college, so don't put that shit on. But nothing sad occurs in the first eight but minutes of the movie. But I'm aware of what's happening, so... <laughs> How many times have you seen the movie? Like twice. I don't think so. Maybe once. I think it was once. Yeah, that movie can go fuck itself, and I'm not going to I was to trying see. to get prep for Toy Story 4. I'm not seeing that. Which that you're movie super can pumped also, to see. I'm not seeing that. Comes out this week. I believe. Go fuck itself. In the theaters. Nope. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not, I don't want anything to do with that. Hey, I don't have a news story, but I was going to tell listener about the about the dream I had last night. Just a little bit about it. Cause the, yeah. No. Yeah. It's just a dream, right? And, you know, dreams are stupid anyway. Like, anytime somebody goes to tell me about a dream, I'm like, okay, this is dumb. So, yeah, this is dumb. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to skip the main. The main thing in it, was, I guess, was like. Maggie had become this crazy nymphomaniac, right? She just couldn't get enough. And then on top of it, though, she developed this fetish where she wanted somebody to watch us have sex, which I promise you is not in her au revoir (laughs) currently. That's not a thing she's into. Is it? Is that a thing you're into? What do you think? (laughs) I'm just asking. Things could change. You know, maybe... This was the universe's way of telling me we need to change things up. We need to get some eyes in the bedroom. We need to get, we need to get other people. Yeah, so we need to get some watchers. You want a voyeur in there. But anyway, so this is where it actually gets weird, weird, is she hired a nearly catatonic, catatonic older woman who didn't speak. This doesn't sound like to, me. To watch us have sex. But then, not only is that weird, but here's the weirdest part. Maggie would dress her up like in like these weird mascot type costumes. And I don't remember, the only one I remember is she had this weird Philadelphia cream cheese packaging (laughs) costume. Like the little rectangular box is what this lady was wearing as she watched us. I like that I hired, like I went out and was like. (laughs) She was like a maid now. She was like part of the the thing. Like I like part of our household now. And like put out an ad. I was like, you know what I'm hiring for? Someone, someone who can't speak or interact with me in any way. Well, I don't think it was that's what you were looking for, but uh, it just kind of worked out. That that's who applied. applied. Yeah. How did she apply? I don't know. I mean, she clearly was. She she was mobile. You had to like guide her around, though. You had to like walk around by her hand. And she was like aware, but she just never spoke. She just kind of stared straight ahead. And then you put that weird Philadelphia cream cheese <laughs> packaging costume on her and she just that's, sat in a chair. That's so fucked up. And watched that's us go so to town on each up. other. <laughs> that, that, that was my dream. That's what I woke up to today. Jesus Christ. Happy Father's Day. Oh, my God. That's such a turn off. I don't even know what to do about that. <laughs> so, yeah, there's some fun imagery for you. That's disgusting. Do you that's have like, any? Do you have any news? No, but I have a, I have a topic. I, oh, I did find something that I'm going to paraphrase real quick that might make you excited or not. Probably not. Dick Wolf. Dick Wolf. Dick Wolf is trying to create the first uh, cross-network. Um, uh, cro- I don't know. What do they call that when things, like when they do a crossover? It's a crossover, but it's cross-network crossover. 
and he wants he I guess he has a show on I think it's on CBS called FBI and then he already has a spinoff of that and he wants to cross it over with like SVU or something and it would be the first NBC CBS crossover and it's your boy Dick Wolf that's 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 what I got I don't have TV so that's not that exciting to me it's big news apparently oh first cross network crossover golly Dick Wolf not that exciting so I have news. Yes. So I have a desk that I work at like 60 hours a week. Yes. And I have a lamp on my desk that I love very much. It's shaped like an owl. And I use it to light my workspace. And Sean hates my lamp and he moves it every chance he gets. And he finally fucked why, it why up. Why do I move it, though? Tell him why I move it. Because he likes to see my face. It now, blocks I your like face. I like my lamp because, number one, it blocks my view of Sean. Therefore, I... I Couple he goals. Will, he will literally stare at me smiling while I'm trying to work, which is... That sounds really creepy. It, I don't think that's it, what I do. That is what you do. Sometimes I'll pop up over your monitor Some, real yeah, slow. Yeah, sometimes he does that shit while I'm trying to work. I just need attention sometimes. Sometimes I'm on calls with other countries, and he's just like, who are you talking to? That's <laughs> okay. not true. This is, you're just making shit up now. I was on a call. Actually, it wasn't another country. It was just another state. But I was on a call and Logan comes home and just is like, hello, hello, hello. <laughs> I have earbuds in. Because I have earbuds in. I'm talking. I'm like waving like this. I can't see all that. That's funny. And though. he's just like, oh, I'm standing over at the door. Hello. <laughs> like. <laughs> just wave back to him. Like and I've point. got, I need an office space. You need, actually, I just thought of something. You need like one of those clapboard things. But or or just a uh, a dry erase board that you can just put like on call and then just kind of hold it up <laughs> when people walk in. I'm on a video call, so they can see when I hold shit uh, up. <laughs> well, just hold it, you know, like to the left. I need something that says like "Go the fuck away." It's like, like one of those on air lights. You need like one of those. You can just hit that, and then we'll <laughs> anyway, see that when we come in. So I have this lamp that I love, and it lights. I keep a lamp on either side of my computer. So it lights my desk and it keeps me from eye strain because I, I have ocular migraines. So I need like well lit areas or I get migraines. And Sean hates this light. He doesn't care that I need it. You have for, another light right on the other side. Of right. Your desk. But that then gives me migraines on one side of my head if I don't have it evenly lit on both sides. Hmm. So I need two. And Sean doesn't care. <laughs> so he's constantly moving this light and he finally he did it. He fucking shorted it out from just juggling it and moving it and he, he broke. i don't think i did that i feel like you did that the last time you moved it oh all of a yeah. sudden all that of makes a sudden, the most sense victim blaming <laughs> victim blaming a couple of goals <laughs> so he did it he broke my lamp not intentionally it's out of love because i can't see your beautiful face sometimes when i'm sitting on the so couch sean's reaction instead of being like i'm so sorry i broke your lamp was well, then it doesn't need to be on the desk anymore, does it? And he moved it down. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, so a, it's a dead lamp. Why? <laughs> I'm so mad. I, so I, I need to buy a new lamp. You don't need, I can literally replace the cord. It's not hard. I've never seen you replace a cord in a lamp in all the time I've done Yeah, that's you. not something I do it's at home, al- but I've had to do it at work before. It's so. been almost 20 years <laughs> that I've never seen you replace a cord Have in we a ever lamp. needed to? Has there ever been a lamp that you wanted to salvage that there was a short in? No, that, I just buy a new one. Exactly. But yeah, you can replace a cord. It's very easy. It's not hard. I'm so mad at you. <laughs> I was like, he did, he did it. From he the finally broke. Of my heart. 
I am so, so sorry. No, you're not. The smirk <laughs> on your face tells me you are not sorry. I'm not, I don't know why I'm smirking. I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm just happy to be talking to you right now. You're paying attention to me. It makes me happy. And so I don't know. I, 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 don't know what I didn't. Means. I wasn't trying to destroy your lamp. Yes, you were. Though I, I was. I would have thrown. This it. is like this is like the leg lamp situation. And like, <laughs> I don't even believe you. The leg like lamp. you used up all the glue on purpose. <laughs> on purpose. Mon to you. So yeah, that's what's going on here. It's this motherfucker he broke my lamp, and then he's like, then apparently he has some secret freaking plug of replacing skills or some shit yeah it's very easy to replace a cord that i had no in. idea about that he's been keeping secret <laughs> keeping safe it's never come up that i can think of but yeah replacing an electrical cord is, is not that hard what are you talking about this has never come up ever <laughs> like you don't you can't like i have to hang my own shit on the walls like i have to hang <laughs> my own pictures because you can't do it. It's not true. I did. I did that whole thing over there in the corner. That was hard. I did that whole gallery wall. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, I've done a lot of hanging. You did three pictures. I did twenty. No, I'm talking about that decal. Like that was oh, yeah, really hard. That. that was fucking hard to do. Because he did do. He did do the perfect. vinyl decal on yeah, the wall. That was hard. The hanging stuff's easy. Putting a nail on the wall. That's easy as shit. Anyway, you can, you can do that all day. Hey, man, it's. It's the 90s, bro. Women's lib. First of all, <laughs> I didn't ask for that shit. And second of all, according to the Constitution, I don't have equal rights. So you need to do it all. I'm not going to let you watch John Oliver anymore. I don't. You have, have equal rights. Not not constitutionally. Anyway. So I'll go first this week since last week you were like, I'm just going to talk for an hour to an hour and a half. And then uh, if you could just cram your shit in, that'd be good. <laughs> You're just shitting all over me this week. It's you these made are me not cry. couple goals. <laughs> it's because you made me cry right before I came on air. You just made me cry. And then you just, I just picked put on, on Toy, me. Toy Story 3. And then That's you picked on me about our kid going to college until I cried harder. I didn't pick on you about it. I just brought it up. I just mentioned that that's a thing. That's going that to happen soon. Take, that I'm taking them on college visits and that it's that. Uh, well, how are you going to do that? You kept asking me. You asked yeah. me repeatedly until I started crying harder. I don't think you've had enough to eat today. I don't think you're crackers and cream cheese. Cream cheese. Oh, interesting. That's good. Yeah. Boca. <laughs> it's probably. It's probably <laughs> it's where the costume is. where this came. is going. Yeah. Let's see if I can find a cream cheese mascot costume. <laughs> Set the bedroom up oh, that's on the fire. Role playing. That's, yeah. that's the role playing in the bedroom. Whatever gets you off. I wonder if that maybe on the other side where I couldn't see in my dream there was a saltine. Somebody dressed up like in a saltines package. Saltines yeah. and cream cheese are so good, but yeah, saltines and peanut butter are disgusting. You gotta so have good. Ritz and peanut butter. Yeah. You gotta have that. But like saltines and cream cheese, A plus. Yeah. Like yes. Good stuff. All right. All right. So what do you have for us this week? OK, so Magalicious. My topic is is because of your Father's Day present. My Father's Day present, which was. Ghostbusters. Yes, it was like the, the Ghostbusters steel book contains Ghostbusters one and two plus in 4K plus a bonus disc of all new special features that they've never. And I've, I have I probably bought Ghostbusters one and two is probably the fourth version of it fifth fourth or fifth time i've purchased yeah. movies lots of versions of this movie yeah so his special edition or whatever the special disc had oprah 
an interview with the cast on Oprah. Yeah, a whole episode of Oprah from 1989. Yes. And we watched that. And in that, they it was like a whole episode and it was only like, her th- what was it, third year on the air? Yeah. And it wasn't very like she wasn't very good yet, but she was. She was very like laid back, but she just wasn't. The set was terrible. Anyway, she was good. She, yeah, she just didn't give a shit, which I, I like about cool her. She's cool and laid back. And she's super chill. Like she started scratching her neck and her whole hair got out of whack. And it was like she was just so chill. Yeah, I've never I, really watched Oprah. I never really watched her either. And she was. She's just so laid back in her questioning. And Oprah, she, like back then, Oprah just seemed like a per, a show for old people to me. Like those yeah, afternoon know. talk shows were just, I guess they are. They're like old white lady shows like Ellen is now. That's the demographic, apparently. Yeah. So anyway, we watched it and they did an audience pan at the very beginning. And Chris Farley is in the audience, 1989. And he is clapping his ass off in a wife beater, like sleeves was, cut off. It wasn't a wife beater. It was, no, it, it was, was a sleeveless shirt. It was though. a sleeveless shirt. Yeah. It was a, a t shirt, a white t shirt that he has cut the sleeves off of. But yeah, but he was, it was just funny when they did this audio. And, he, you know, he was nobody at the time. Nobody knew. Yeah, who he, Chris wasn't, he was. wasn't anybody. And, and he is, But we immediately recognized him, obviously. And he is having a, a blast. Good old time. And he is, it was hilarious. So as we watched it, we came to understand that, like, Julia Louis-Dreyfus's husband from Veep was in the audience as well. Richard, a guy who plays Richard. And we understood that it was Second City was there. Yes. And what is Second City? For those of us who don't know. That's what I'm talking about today. Okay. So in doing this research, I found out all about Second City. And that's what we're talking about. Not only what Second City is, but who all has been in Second City. Excellent. And what is ha- what what that's about. So Second City is a it's a comedy troupe is the best way to to say it, but it's actually started as a comedy troupe and has turned into a school and multiple stages around the United States and Canada. It's, it's improv, right? Right. It's improv. But they do sketches, too, or no? Yeah. And they were a TV show for a while. OK. So Second City Cities chose its self-mocking name from the title of an article about Chicago by A.J. Liebling, published in The New Yorker in 1952. And it started off at the Compass Bar in Hyde Park at the University of Chicago students led by Bernard Stallings and Jeff Sills, calling themselves the Compass Players. So their mother, or I should say Paul Sills' mother, was an improv teacher. Okay. Like that was her profession. So they started up this little, this little club or whatever, and ended up opening second city on December 16th, 1959. So they had their first review show and it was at 1842 North Wells street and admission was a dollar 50. Okay. So they had they founded the theater as a place where scenes and stories were created with improvisation using techniques that grew out of their innovative teachings. But it was mainly based on satire and and commentary of current societal norms and um, political figures and events. So a lot like Saturday Night Live, where they're just making fun of shit. And that's like the big deal. Right. So some famous 50s members include like Alan Alda and Ed Asner. Wow. 
So that's who was in the 50s. At the very end, we'll go over. Like, I'm going to talk a lot about people and what they were doing at the time. Yeah. And then at the end, I'll just tell you some of the people that were in it in those eras. The alumni. Yeah. The alumna. Alum, as I just called them. Um, in the 60s, enters Alan Arkin. Oh, I like that guy. So prior to joining Second City in 1960, he spent some time at acting school and, and in a singing group called the Terriers. He went with which he co-wrote the Banana Boat song. Is that a popular song? Which was made famous by Harry Belafonte and then created that memorable scene from Beetlejuice with Catherine O'Hara. Oh, at the dinner table? That's is it that Day-o. song? That's the Banana Boat song. Day-o. I yeah. uh, I knew that was Harry Belafonte. I never knew the name of the song, though. Yeah, that's called I the Banana Boat song. I didn't know and that Alan Arkin, Arkin was one it. of the... Oh, who saw that coming? Right. So, after Second City co-founder Paul Sills saw him perform at the Compass Street, or at the Compass, rather, in St. Louis, he asked him to come to Chicago and join Second City. That's how Alan Arkin ended up there. Okay. He's quoted as saying, the second city saved my life. It literally saved my life. I have a feeling it's true for a lot of other people, too. Nice. And in 1961, Joan Rivers made the main her main stage de- debut at the theater's seventh review. And it was her only production at the theater. Later in life, she would state that she was born comedian. She was born as a comedian at Second City and that she owes her career to it. Hired at the Second City in 1965, along with Robert Klein, Fred Willard appeared on the theater's 18th and 19th reviews, both directed by uh, legendary musical director Fred Katz. So Willard is a founding member of the classic improv improv group group, the Ace Trucking Company and the Ace Trucking Company were regulars on the Tom Jones show and opened for Tom Jones in Las Vegas. Oh. Willard appeared in over 70 films and his work in Waiting for Guffman alongside Second City alums, Catherine O'Hara, Eugene Levy, Don Lake and Brian Doyle Murray. Interesting, right? Like, you don't even know that all these people came from Second City until you start looking at it. I knew Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara had history and they're still working together on that show uh, Schitt's Creek. Yeah. So in 1969, Harold Ramis joined. At Second City, he performed alongside John Belushi, who eventually brought him on to work on the National Lampoon Show with fellow Second City Second City alum Bill Murray, Gilda Radner, and Joe Flaherty. So when Second City TV premiered, which I'm going to go into later, but this is just kind of continuing on with Harold Ramis. Ramis was the head writer oh. as well as an actor, and that show won two Emmys. So after his time at Second City TV... He paired off with uh, Douglas Kenny to write National Lampoon's Animal House, which catapulted John Belushi to stardom. Right. His next writing vehicle was Meatballs, which was the beginning of his comedic partnership with Bill Murray. Murray. Next up was his directorial debut, which was Caddyshack. Right. Which he also wrote in 81. He wrote and acted in Stripe. His third movie with Murray. And then he, Ramos, Ramos, he's new. Ramos directed um, Vacation before focusing. 
National Lampoon's Vacation. Yeah, National Lampoon's Vacation. Before focusing his efforts on Ghostbusters, co-writing and the final script with Dan Aykroyd and co-starring with Aykroyd and Murray. I then stopped there because I didn't think we needed to cover more on Ghostbusters. Okay. <laughs> what does that mean? You know, I like feel like talking you, about my favorite. I feel movie? like you. I feel like you get Ghostbusters pretty good. So backtracking a bit, in 1971, John Belushi was discovered performing stolen Second City material at a local coffee house. Nice. <laughs> Instead of suing him, Bernie Stallings and Joyce Sloan hired him. Nice. <laughs> Belushi joined the main stage cast in 71, where he immediately became a sensation. After the second city, Belushi was cast in National Lampoon Lemmings, which opened in, in January of 73. Never heard of it. Me neither. The show's cast of actors and writers included Chevy Chase, Christopher Guest, Sean Kelly, and Beats, and Harold Ramis. Man. Belushi was also involved with the National Lampoon. In 1973, at just 19 years old, John Candy joined the resident ensemble at the Second City Toronto. And in 76, he joined the Second City's television show, Second City TV. Is that where Strange Brew came from? Sure is. I go into that in a little bit. Okay. The show gained such a quick and broad popularity that NBC ended up picking it up in 1981. Oh. From there, the show soared to new heights, picking up a pair of writing Emmys, which I talked about before. In 79, John Candy took a hiatus from the show to start his film career, and he landed small roles um, in Steven Spielberg's 1941 and then in Blues Brothers with obviously John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd before Stripes with Bill Murray and Harold Ramis. Speaking, though, of Bill Murray, he graduated to the main stage in 1973, the very same week that John Candy joined the company. Huh. Legend has it that Bill Murray once broke the arm of a heckler in the audience, <laughs> but then bought the guy a beer and drove him to the hospital after the show. Is that true? <laughs> I don't know. That This is directly from That's crazy. Second City's website. I want to know that story. All of this is directly from Second City. Gotcha. In 1973, Dan Eckert also joined the main stage cast. It was a big year for them. Yeah. Like, this was pre-Saturday Night Live then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he joined the main stage cast, but he joined in Toronto, where they right. were all in. The rest of them were in Chicago. Yeah. So he didn't join until later to the Chicago cast. But in 1973 is when he met John Belushi. So um, he was starring in shows such as the Canadian show and Upper U.S. And Ackroyd was cast at that time in an up and coming show produced by Lauren Michaels called Saturday Night Live. <laughs> later to become SNL. Yeah. Like, it was literally called NBC Saturday, Saturday Night, later to become SNL. Hmm. As part of, he was, he was as part of, like, this is what this group was called, of the guys that we know from Second City. They were called the Not Yet Ready for Primetime Players. Oh. Yeah. So, Ackroyd was the youngest of the cast, and he was originally hired to write, not be on air. Okay. In 1975, Saturday Night Live premiered on NBC with the Second City alums John Belushi, 
Dan Aykroyd and Gilda Radner in the first cast with John or John Bill Murray joining in the second season. So there's a lot of because uh, I remember I watched that National Lampoon's movie. So there's a lot of uh, incest going on between National Lampoon, Second City, and Saturday Night Live. Yeah. People poaching yeah, people talent from all the time. Each of them. Yep. Yeah. And in 1976, Second City TV hit Canadian Airways. So that's what we were talking about with everybody. So now here's here's a little bit more on Second City TV. The original SCTV cast was John Candy, Joe Flair- Flaherty, Eugene Levy, Andrea Martin, Catherine O'Hara, Harold Ramis, and Dave Thomas. This yeah, is Dave what Thomas. I'm talking about with the with Rick, the strange. Oh yeah, Rick Moranis must not have been on yet. Yeah. So all of them served as writers for the show, but Martin and O'Hara did not receive writing credits because they were women. Really? Why? <laughs> they eventually did. It was just the first four episodes. That's weird. Who made that decision? I don't know. It was Canada. <laughs> so Remus served Blade as Canada. the head writer and but only appeared on screen as a regular during the first season. So from 79 to 80, um Candy, O'Hara, and Remus dropped out. And they were done. And Dave Thomas was promoted to head writer and added to the cast in the writing room were Martin Short, Tony Rosato, Robin Duke, and Rick Moranis. Ah. There he is. There you go. So moving forward. And then we already talked about the Emmys and coming to NBC and all that. Yeah. But that's when Strange Brew happened. Gotcha. That's what you're that's what you're referencing. So in 1986, Mike Myers joined Second City. He was born and raised in Toronto and he had dreamed of joining Second City since he was four years old. Wow. (laughs) He auditioned for Second City Toronto on the last day of high school and he was accepted immediately. Holy shit. Yeah. That's a guy who knew what he wanted to do. Yeah, he was not. Man. Yeah, he knew. In 1988, Myers moved to Second City, Chicago at the request of Andrew Alexander, who at this point was one of the owners. Yeah. There he worked alongside Bonnie Hunt, Richard Kind, and Betty Thomas. After working with Martin Short at Second City, Toronto's 15th anniversary show, legend has it that Short called Lorne Michaels and urged him to hire Myers for... SNL. Mm. Nice. Myers began his six year stint on SNL in 1989, and two of his most popular characters, obviously Wayne Campbell and Dieter, debuted on the Second City stage a few years prior. Oh, no shit. Yep. For his work on the show, Myers won an Emmy for Outstanding Writing in a Variety of Musical Program in 1989. And Rolling Stone ranked him the fourth on their list of best SNL characters of all time in 2005. Yeah. And in 1987, enter cash-strapped Stephen Colbert. We see him take a a job at the Second City box office answering phones and selling merchandise in exchange for free classes. Nice. He was... He was so good at both improv and selling, in fact, that he held a longtime record for most T-shirts sold in a single day. <laughs> I can see that. But it took him a long time to, to actually get on the stage. So Steve Carell joins the main stage in 91. He performs alongside Second City uh, peers like Amy Sedaris and Stephen Colbert, 
who is actually Corral's understudy. I knew that from that uh, that Hulu thing yeah, about that the Dana thing. Carvey show. Yep. And Steve Carell married fellow Second City alum and SNL vet Nancy Walls, who's now Nancy Carell. Yeah. Yeah. She was on The Office. Yep. The realtor. And in 94, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler join. They auditioned just hours apart. In 96, Tina joined the main stage company as an understudy. For John Glazer, who we all know as Councilman Jam from Parks I, I and Rec. I know John Glazer. He's also, he had a show on, I think it was on Adult Swim. God damn it, what was the name of it? <laughs> the premise of it was really funny. Because almost everything on Adult Swim at the time was just animated. And that's mostly how it is. Yeah. But he had a show uh, where he, he wore like a black mask the whole time. Like a ski mask. Because he was under witness protection. But it... So him and his family were under witness protection, but they were also filming a reality show. <laughs> so, I remember that premise. Yeah, yeah that, that, that was, uh, and it just had a one word title. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, it's, uh, yeah, that, that guy's funny. So in 97, Faye was hired to write for Saturday Night Live. I mean, we know this part from Bossy Pants, right? But she was hired to write for Saturday Night Live and became the show's first female head writer for its 25th season. And she began performing on the show in 2000, co-anchoring Weekend Update with Polar, and then Jimmy Fallon until she left the program and started working on 30 Rock. So notable alum by the era. I'm starting with the 80s. Okay. We have Chris Farley. Yep. Bonnie Hunt. Richard Kind. Richard Kind. Who is that? He played the teacher who didn't give a shit in Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, that guy. He was on Mad About You, right? He was on Mad About You. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Colin Mockery, Tim Meadows, yep, Jane Lynch, Julia Louis Dreyfus, yeah, Matt Walsh. Oh yeah, is they from Veep? Yep. Yeah, Upright Citizens Brigade. That's yep. another. Yep, Upright Citizen, and that was formed after that was formed in '97. That's actually part of the. It was formed when they all left Upright, or when they left Second City. Yeah, him and but Amy all, Poehler. I don't remember who else was in that. What was the other guy that was in that? That I it was all people who were in Second City. Right. There's another guy I remember from there, though. Anyway, go on. Um, and Ryan Stiles. Yep. From the '90s, we see Scott adds it. Oh yeah, Thirty Rock. Rachel Dratch. Thirty Rock. Jeff Garland. Yep. Jeff, and I never know how to say say his last name. Kochner, Kekner. 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 I know who David Kekner is. Oh, is that his last name? I bet his last name. I bet his name's David. I bet I just typed Jeff because I was looking at Jeff Garland. Oh, yeah. I know David Keckner. Yeah, the guy from, uh, I bet it's David. Yeah. David Keckner. He's an anchor man. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. I just typed the wrong name. Um, Adam McKay. Je- Jeff Richmond. That's how he and Tina Fey met. Yeah, makes sense. That's Tina Fey's husband, if you guys don't know. Uh, Bob Odenkirk. Great. The 2000s, we see Jason Sudeikis, Keegan-Michael Key, Key. Keegan-Michael Key. Keegan-Michael Key. Yeah. Jack McBrayer, who, if you guys have seen 30 Rock, he plays Kenneth Page, and Kenneth Page was actually written for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I read about it. On, <laughs> it's on uh, Second City's site. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. Yeah. Thomas Middleditch. Oh, wow. And Alex Moffat. Who is currently on 30 Rock or on um, SNL. Yes. And the 2010s, we see three current SNL people. Aidy Bryant, 
Yeah. Chris Red and Cecily Strong. I like Cecily Strong. So that is where SNL gets all their talent. They just if, poach if all their like trying, Second City is a breeding ground for SNL, basically. If you are trying to get on SNL, that is where you go. That's the gateway. That's how you get on. Yeah. And that's. Well, that's I mean, that's definitely one way. Well, yeah, that's the main way, actually. Right, like I, one might argue <laughs> that's the main way to get on. Right. Is to go on. And be accepted into the Second City culture. Good stuff. It's interesting, isn't was, it? It's interesting, and it's not murder. I like yeah. that. I like that a lot. I like I like the side of you, Maggie. I like this, the side of you that's into comedy and not just wanting destruction and senseless murder. It's just interesting. I didn't know that, like, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, like, I didn't know she was in Second City. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think. I mean, I think the first thing I that I remember seeing her in was Christmas Vacation, and then, right. but or Saturday Night Live. She was on Saturday Night Live as well, but I don't remember her being like a main. I don't know if she was on for one season. I don't remember. Like, I a just lot don't remember her. her. Right. Like I just. I'm obviously I remember her from Christmas Vacation, but I didn't realize it was that lampoons. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't right. realize it was that connection. And then that came through Second City. Like, I didn't realize that was the connection there. Yeah. When I and now that I trace it back, I'm like, oh. And then when I look at Veep, it makes sense that her, the person who plays her husband is also in Second City. And then Matt Walsh, like when I start looking yeah. at it, I'm like, it makes sense that a lot of the connections are right are from Second City. You know, Good stuff. So that's that's still a thing, though, right? I mean, that's still an it's around and it's a lot. It's gotten a lot bigger. So do they have their own Second club City, or do they tour? Or what's the deal? There's there's touring ones, but now they've opened a lot of connect of a lot of different locations. So now they don't just have Chicago. They have a Detroit location. No, they but have, do they have like so they have like one club it's just called like Second City or something that they, have they Second play Second City Chicago. They have Second City Toronto. They have okay. Second City. So you can you can go to their website. You select which location is closest to you. And you can see their lineups. You can audition. You can that take would be classes. that'd be really cool. Like if when we go to Chicago, it'd be cool to go see catch a Second City show. It probably yeah. sells out well in advance. I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, and they have main stage shows, and then they have like your shitty Second City. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're up and comers, man. Not everybody's. I don't know. But yeah, once you saw that, like you saw who their main stage people were back like in 89 yeah it was one of bill murray's brothers yeah it was the guy from veep david whatever his last name is pasquale or whatever i made that last name up okay but um it was the guy from veep it was chris farley yeah. it was you know like it was all these people right who were like people <laughs> who like became people became well known became well known i mean they were always people but yeah, became like recognizable right. actors. All right. So this week I have I have for you, dear listener, dear Berserker. wife. So I think when you say that. Uh we'll talk about the world's most iconic icon. Is that a thing? Is that a good way to de- describe it? I don't think you should use the word <laughs> to describe the word. It's the most iconiest of icons. That's what I'm really looking for. I'm looking for an iconic icon. <laughs> well, something very iconic in my icons. 
Uh, when I think of icons, I think of iconic icons. Yes. That, are, that do a lot of iconic with their iconic icons. Uh, and his name is Mickey Mouse. M-I-C. See you real soon. K-E-Y. Is that how the song goes? Why? I don't know the song. Yeah, you're not a fan. Give me your iPad. <laughs> I love Mickey Mouse. I don't know how much of a fan I actually am. So, like, I don't have any real memories of, like... <laughs> His memories is mom saying, you can't watch Mickey Mouse. <laughs> oh, yeah, TV's going away. Well, the, I don't remember there being a Mickey Mouse show on in the 80s. And if there was, it was probably on the Disney Channel. And, that was on the Disney Channel in But the Mickey 80s. Mouse was just ubiquitous. Like, there's no... Like, uh, for like when I think of Spider-Man, I have certain touch points where I'm like, okay, I know he was on The Electric Company, and I remember watching The 67 Show, and I remember watching Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends. Like, I remember all that stuff. Um, and I, I think the one that stands out the most is probably his Electric Company appearances was probably the, the first thing I saw him in, that and The 67 thing. But with Mickey Mouse, in the 80s, there was a phone, I remember. Oh, yeah, I remember a phone. <laughs> there was a Mickey Mouse phone. Yeah. Yeah, I think he like you put the the phone like hang hung from he his hand standing. or something. Yeah, yeah, he was standing and he would hang it on his yeah. like yeah. I remember Mickey Mouse watches were very big. Mm-hmm. That was always a and very the hands big thing. Move. Yeah, but I never really knew anything like he he wasn't really in movies or shows that I remember. Oh, do you do you remember watching like Mickey Mouse shows? Like, what do you mean? Like, uh, like. I remember watching Looney Tunes like crazy, right? Oh, I yeah. remember watching tons of Bugs Bunny and, and all those characters, you know, Wiley e. Coyote and Sylvester and everybody. I, those were on like every day in syndication or whatever. But I don't remember really a, a Mickey Mouse. You mean like Mickey Mouse like getting into trouble kind of like stuff? His short, because he started off in short cartoons like, yeah, I didn't like really Bugs watch Bunny. Those. No. And I, I don't remember that being a thing. And then I think he would pop up in... In movies in the 90s, like uh, Mickey Christmas Carol. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched that. And you could watch, like, there was another one that involved a dog. Like, there was there were short ones. Yeah. But I think they must have been on TV because I remember having them taped. See, the, the Disney with... stuff I remember, like, I remember Fraggle Rock being on. I never watched. I literally have never seen an episode of Fraggle Rock, but I remember people talking about it. They had you know, TV and cable and two of those, the two I things you needed. I didn't have cable until like the late 80s. That's when most people got it, I think. Yeah. I don't even know if it was that big of a deal until the mid to late 80s. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't remember there being like, I don't know. I remember, like, you know, like Garfield, he also had a phone yeah. and he had a comic strip and then he had a cartoon, you know, and but for Mickey Mouse, but he was still just everywhere. You know, like he was on T-shirts and and you everybody was aware of who Mickey Mouse was. So Mickey Mouse is, uh, as of this November, he'll be 91 years old. Ah. Yeah. And we're going to talk. Just, I like that he doesn't get he didn't die. We're going to discuss the history of Mickey Mouse. So are we going to discuss his anti-Semitic creator? No. Okay. We are not. <laughs> we are not going to go into that stuff. Just question it. This is all about the Mickey Mouse stuff and just how he came about. Um, all right, so we're going to go back to 1927. Uh, Walt Disney was already an animator, and 
he uh, he worked with a guy named Ub Iwerks, which I mentioned to you last night. You kept saying that to me. And I <laughs> no, was you like, kept saying it back to me. I said, have you heard of a guy named Ub Iwerks? No, you didn't say guy. You didn't say. Have you ever you, heard? OK, what did I say? You said. Have you ever heard of a Biworks? And I was like, and I was like, Biworks. No, you kept saying, a bo- a works, <laughs> a Biworks. <laughs> like you kept changing the emphasis. It was really I funny. Understand. I just wanted to know. Well, the reason I was asking you is because I was, you know, I've been watching Mickey Mouse shorts on YouTube, and his name is in the title card of the all the early stuff. It says uh, a Walt Disney comic. Uh, by Ub Iwerks. And that's what prompted me to look into this was like, who the fuck is this guy? Why is his name? First of all, his name is very, you know, it stands out. Literally, his credit is spelled U-B is his first name and his last name is spelled I-W-E-R-K-S. I-W-E-R-K-S. That's what I meant to say if I didn't say that. But actually, which actually comes from that's actually kind of his nickname. His his name was spelled U-B-B-E, and it was pronounced Oob, but his pals would call him Ub or Ubby, so he just shortened it to Ub, U-B. Uh, so his name and his background were Frisian. What? Yeah, Frisian. Where's, where does that hail from? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. This is F-R-I-S-I-A-N. Frisian? And where does that hail from? Frisia? <laughs> Frisia? I don't know. All right. From the town of All right, Frisia? hang on. It's an obscure Northern European language that is closest to English. Um, I don't think it is. <laughs> I just don't think so. <laughs> so anyway, and his last name was, his middle name was Eert, E-E-R-T. And then his last name was spelled I-W-W-E-R-K-S. He removed one of the W's. Anyway, Ub. I works. I don't think so. Was Walt Disney's chief animator. And in 1927, they were working on these cartoons called the Alice Comedies. And they decided to end their work in search of new creative opportunities. So. I feel like you should line up those creative opportunities before you go end in your work. (laughs) I think Alice was on the downturn. I've I've, left a lot of stuff out here just to kind of get to the meat of the stuff here. Um, this is very much drunk history without being drunk, basically. Bob Iwerks history. So coincidentally, Um. Universal Studios wanted to get into the cartoon business and needed a cartoon character of its own. So Walt Disney's distributor, Charles Mintz, told Disney and Iwerks to create a new character that they could sell to Universal. Wanting to make cartoons with an all-animated look, Disney signed a contract with Universal Studios, leading to the creation of... Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. I was going to say, is this Oswald? Oswald the Lucky Rabbit in Universal's first cartoon series. The success of the Oswald series allowed the Walt Disney Studio to grow to a staff of nearly 20 people. That is kind of exciting. Yeah. So now Oswald the Rabbit, I don't think I knew about until about 2010 when he was a character in a video game that came out on the Nintendo Wii. Yeah, there was a game that came out called Epic Mickey. And uh, basically the premise for this game is uh, Oswald, the lucky rabbit, has been abandoned by his creator and he is jealous of Mickey Mouse. And he draws Mickey Mouse into his alternate reality Disney world called the Wasteland. 
and he's just very jealous of Mickey and his relationship with Walt Disney. And in his version of Disney World is the statue of Walt. Instead of Walt and Mickey walking, it's Walt and Oswald. It's it's all very sad, actually. And I never even heard of this dude until then. But uh, you can look this dude, Oswald, the lucky rabbit. This dude, Oswald, whom I love. I love Oswald, the rabbit. Uh, Now, now that I'm aware of his existence, I just I like his look. He's got that old school 1920s animation that I love. All right. So in the spring of 1928, Disney traveled to New York City in hopes of negotiating a more profitable contract with his producer, Charles Mintz. But as economic problems were apparent at the time, Mintz figured Disney would settle for a 20 percent cut. Whoa. Although large turnarounds were promised if the studio's finances showed considerable growth. While most of his fellow animators left for Mintz's studio, Disney decided to quit and therefore leave the character he created. Ugh. So Universal also basically they owned the rights to Oswald and they told Disney that, well, look, we own this character too bad. And this upset Walt Disney. So he was like, from then on, he decided anything he created was going to be his. He wasn't going to sell it off. So he had to start from scratch, right? So the story goes on a noisy train car from New York to California, a dejected Walt ponders his fate. He has lost Oswald, but he can make a new star. Rushing through the prairie states, he decides to replace the lost rabbit with a mouse and draws Mickey on a pad. This has some truth to it. Walt Shirley was thinking of an Oswald replacement on his long westward trip, but he didn't decide on a mouse until he and Ub were in the same room back in L.A., pencils in hand. Walt also claimed that Mickey was first called Mortimer Mouse. He gave some credit to his wife, his wife Lily, who uh, she said he says she is the one who dismissed the name. Mortimer is too fey or too sissy, as, as he put it. So she proposes a tough guy name. Is fey a word? Yeah, F-E-Y, too fey. Like, yeah. You know, like Tina Fey? Yeah. That's a thing. Never heard of it. So she decides to go with, she, she recommends Mickey because it sounds like a tough guy name. Back then, apparently Mickey was a very, instead of Michael or Mikey, Mickey was a much tougher version of that name. Mickey sounds too fey, but okay. <laughs> In some tellings of this story, this christening happens on the train, and sometimes it happens back in L.A. So a new star was needed quickly, and in March 1928, Ub and Walt started sketching different animals that included a dog, frog, horse, and a cow. So Walt, who started off as an animator but hadn't drawn in years, tried his hand at a mouse. It was tall and gawky, but the idea was solid. The star should be a mouse. Ub took a clean sheet of two-hole punch to brainstorm a more easily drawn mouse. Animation is all about efficiency. The fewer lines it takes to make a character, the better. He needed a caricature of a mouse, not a real mouse. Ub kept drawing the mouse, using circles because they were easier, and what emerged is what Ryan called uh, Proto-Mickey. Ryan is the author of this uh, book here that I'm taking a lot of, Jeff Ryan. And this book is called A Mouse Divided, which I highly recommend. It's a good read. It's kind of like a house divided, I see. Right, but I a mouse it. divided. I, no, I got it. Um, all right, so after drawing a body clad in shorts and shoes onto his final head, Ub had his mouse. The next drawing Ub made was of a finished creature. He circled it in blue pencil. Inside the blue circle was a shirtless mouse with a round belly and skinny arms. He was wearing two-button shorts, the style worn by young boys at the time. He didn't have shoes. His ears were undersized, but that's Mickey Mouse. Uh, In 1928, when Walt was pinning his hopes on Mickey, Ub worked by himself on the cartoon character's first film, 
which is not Steamboat Willie, which most people think, including me. Steamboat Willie was actually the third film they made with Mickey Mouse. The first movie was called Plain Crazy. It was a silent film that was released on May 15th of 1928 in a uh, like a it's like a private showing, though. It wasn't a public get your ticket. That wasn't it. Steamboat Willie is considered his first public appearance in November of that year because that was something that they actually was open to the public. All right. That's up says, what a public appearance is. Up says, I did all the animation for Plane Crazy. 700 drawings a day. Oh, fuck that. For two weeks. Fuck that. Then Up's hand fell off. <laughs> <laughs> I really extended myself. 5,000 drawings for a picture took four weeks to complete. Um, to most animators, Up's 100 drawing overage over Bill mm -hmm. Nolan would itself be a day's hard work. So apparently Bill Nolan would uh, do 600 drawings a day of considered animation a sport or a race. And this was his chance to set a world's record. Plus, the sooner of was finished, the sooner Roy Disney could sell it. So Roy Disney was like their financial backer. Um, Walt was like the name of was the talent, so to speak. Um so Ub was really going above and beyond for Disney. Besides one man banding Mickey Mouse, Ub had started tipping in an extra $35 a week to the company's coffers. They gave him a percentage of the company, of the Walt Disney Company. So Walt gave his friend some credit, a credit in the title slide. This was rare. Animators never got billed, but Disney needed to generate some oomph, including some bragging about its staff. Thus, the first Mickey Mouse was credited as a Walt Disney comic by Ub Iwerks. So there were many problems working with Walt, but at their core was a lack of respect. Walt didn't treat Ub with kindness, deference, or gratitude. He yelled, he bullied, he changed his mind in a heartbeat, and blamed Ub for not keeping up. Yeah, that's that's bosses for you. The friendship was already over. The business partnership had already devolved into resentment. All that was left to make it official and tell the world that Ub Wyworks was not a whipping boy. Ub's son, Dave, summed it up this way. He'd begun as a partner and was now an employee. In early 1930, Ub left Disney and founded his own animation studio. So the person who shot Ub in the foot was ultimately Ub himself. He was working with Disney and 10 years of middling through made them best friends and business partners. But once they got successful with Mickey Mouse, it, it changed Walt. But in doing so, he sold his 20% share in Disney. He would do anything to get rid of Walt Disney from his life. But that may have been a bad decision because if he had held on to that 20% share, <laughs> which he got $3,000 for at the time, oh, fuck. would be worth about $32 billion nowadays. Yeah, but yeah, that's rough. So yeah. he died about three or four years after Walt Disney, I think, I think in 71. So, but still, it would have been worth a lot of money. So, but yeah, that's, uh, that's the contentious. And again, this was, this is all pulled from a book called A Mouse Divided by Jeff Ryan available that's rough um walt disney doesn't sound like the man we're, we're supposed to think he is <laughs> you know nobody all the all the stories i've heard about walt disney paint him out to be a not good person yeah he's very much but again the, they're all secondhand stories so you can't you right. can't bet your right bet your and this is jeff ryan's account of of this uh of how this happened but you do see ub iwerks name on these cards and again that's what prompted me to kind of look into who the fuck is this guy that's kind of weird iwerks right the name alone was enough to make me look him up you kept saying that last night i'm like <laughs> ub you kept saying it iwerks 
You're like other works. You well, just kept blending it together into one word. You didn't know well, it was two I words. I couldn't understand what you were saying. And I felt like you were asking me an eye, about an eyeglass place or like maybe an ad you saw online. Like I didn't know what you were asking me about. So yeah, Walt, uh, Walt Disney may not have whole hand. It seems like back in the day, there was, again, you know, comic books. There was so much contention over who created what, and it doesn't. There weren't creator rights or anything, yeah. you know, or nobody thought. I also, I, I don't know. I mean, you still. I'm sure like Betty Boop was probably huge by then, right? So I, I don't know when she was popular, but so you did have, you did have IP at that point. Like people understood that, you know, somebody created that. Felix the cat was huge. That's that inspired the designs of Mickey and yeah. And but you haven't Oswald. looked into the Felix the cat creator story there might be drama around that right if yeah you, you don't know it, it seems nowadays things are a lot more and i'm not saying there's not creative because i have there's still creator tensions uh, but for the most part things seem to people seem to want to give credit where where it's due instead of just being like no i did all this you know they but should want that they should that's what good people want um, but there's also you know things can be hazy to people though too they might feel like they created more than they actually did or um no, I, I think about when I think about the creation of Venom, that one's kind of weird because Todd McFarlane came on to write or to draw Amazing Spider-Man with issue like 297 or 298. And then in issue 300, he introduced Venom, but he introduced him wearing this suit that had been around for like three years or, or so or five years. Even I don't remember when the, the black suit was introduced. So there's contention there because you have the people who who did the black and white suit, which is also a funny story, too. They actually Marvel actually bought that design. Is it a funny story, Sean? Yes. Marvel bought that design from a reader who sold it to them for two hundred dollars. Yeah. And the. Uh, well, who knows if they would have bought it if it was more. The story is that artists were tired of drawing all the webbing on Spider-Man. They were like getting lazy, supposedly. I don't know if that's true or not. So they want, they wanted this black suit design. They were like, yeah, that's way easier to draw. Right. Let the inker deal with the rest. Um, but Todd McFarlane came on and he was like, I want to get Spidey out of the black suit as quickly as possible. He's like, I love red and blue Spidey. I came here to draw Spider-Man. And that's how kind of how Venom was born was Todd McFarlane was just like, dude, I, I I'm not here to draw all black and white Spider-Man. I want to draw Spider-Man. And so like two or three issues later, we had Venom. Venom. <laughs> Your favorite song. Venom, 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 Venom. Yeah. So had you ever heard any of the stories of, of the creation of Mickey Mouse, like on the train? Because I'd heard that before that, uh, you know, that, that's kind of how Disney tells it. Uh, no. Crowley, come here. What do you got? He's just wandering. Oh, OK. Come here, lay down. I'm always worried he has something when he goes down the hallway. Uh, but yeah, but I still, I, I do. I love Mickey Mouse. I just, uh, that that silhouette, that simple design. And then those 2013 shorts, those are actually really funny. The ones that came out in 2013. Uh, the old animation is amazing when you the watch it. The old animation, Minnie has titties. She has titties briefly. There's a lot gross. of uh, I watched the second one they produced, which is called Gallopin Gaucho or Gaucho. Uh, and you get to see Mickey smoke and drink. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. In that plane crazy one, he is trying. Uh, he's on he's in a plane. It's, it's inspired by Charles Lindbergh because he had you know just made that trip the year before. 
And in playing crazy, and you can find these on YouTube, uh, he he's trying to impress Minnie, takes her up in this plane. And then this plane may as well be called the implication because then he's trying to get it on and she's like slapping him. So instead he like dumps her out of the plane, <laughs> then catches her and then tries to kiss her. He's like, hey, hey, bitch. <laughs> he's like, see what happens. He's like, say who no? then now? And uh, she slaps him, jumps out of the plane. And she's Jesus. like, fuck you. She's and like, she uses death. Her, she uses her giant underwear bloomers, I guess. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't know if they called them giant underwear, but she uses her giant underwear as a parachute to, to <laughs> land to get away from Mickey Mouse's sexual advances. <laughs> Very predatorial of its time kind of thing. But yeah, Jesus you, Christ. <laughs> good stuff. But again, they didn't know. You know, Walt Disney obviously had no idea this was going to become... What it, like, you know, he didn't know rape was bad. Well, no, no, no. I, I feel <laughs> like that no was idea. in all the movies. There was always back then when you watch those silent films, like there's always some dude uh, trying to get on with the chick and she's not into it at all. Like the chick is always very chaste or whatever. And they always show it as the dude has to be very surly or whatever. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's very disturbing. But no, what I mean is I don't think at the time that that was a problem is what I'm saying. But what I don't I don't think he knew, though. Going forward, the Mickey Mouse can become this beloved children's property. You know, adults would go see these films in the theater and they were impressed. The animation was impressive back then, though, like the amount of frames of animation yeah. that they focused on. But it's just really cool. It's a lot different now. Everything's a lot faster paced. And they were really focusing on the artwork of animation. She had boobs. And did she had these weird white titties. Them, <laughs> yeah, they were like white. These, and then mouse titties. <laughs> that did Steamboat Willie. <laughs> Steamboat Willie. <laughs> That's a funny cartoon. <laughs> Mickey starts playing this like pig boobs, like pig Yeah, teats. he's playing the teats. Like it, this pig is like feeding her piglets and then like he shakes off the piglets and starts like poking on her teats. <laughs> to make musical noises. To make music. It's, uh, it's it's really quite upsetting. It's like, okay, Mickey, it, calm it's down. It's actually very funny. I, I think Steamboat Willie is very funny. I don't know. I don't know. I find it when you get yourself in that that mind space. But that's why I I, I like that game Cuphead, which is incredibly. I don't like the game itself because it's brutally fucking hard. But I love the design of it, that it has that 1920s animation to it with the with the extra frames of animation that they kind of leave out nowadays. And the you know, they're like they're talking about animations all about efficiency. Well, nowadays, they don't don't do all that. Uh, So it's not as realistic looking. The movements anyway, not the designs. But yeah, that's that's my that's my topic this week. Okay. Mickey Mouse. Mortimer Mouse. Can you imagine if he was Mortimer Mouse? Mortimer. I don't know. I don't think Mortimer sounds fay. Uh, that's that's one of the potential I don't, stories. I don't Nobody understand. knows if that, how true any of that actually is, including everything I just presented. Like, but yeah, Ub and, and Walt did not get along. Ub. Ub. I works. Right. I don't know about that name. <laughs> uh, is that true? Like, is yeah. that a true name? That's that's his name. But yeah, that's that's what I have this week. Ub I works. Um, a by works. That's what you. Yeah, that's what you were saying last. A by works. You were just saying you were saying it like it was one word and a trying to figure works? out what that word meant. Yeah. What is what is, what is it? A by works. What's in a by works? A by works. <laughs> A byword. Do you have one of those? Did you break one? <laughs> right. What are we? What's do the I problem need to here? Take you to get in a byworks. Okay. All right. 
so we didn't do any housekeeping. So oh. join our Patreon. Uh, yeah, we're recording to our next to our ten dollar Patreon or patron Chris. I have a really cool idea. It's actually fucking crazy for our for our video content because I I figure you know you're paying ten dollars. You don't just want another episode of the podcast where you get to see our two beautiful faces the whole time. So I thought I I came up with an entertaining idea, and as long as I can get uh, my co-host here to sign off on it, Uh. it should be it should be something else. And we're gonna plan to film that this week. So yeah, so that'll be up. I was gonna do it today, but I'm just I'm I'm not feeling it today. Sean told me Sean told me he didn't want to get gussied up. I don't want to get all gussied up today. That's what he said. Yeah. And he was like, gussied up, I mean, put on pants. He was like, (laughs) he was like, a biworks. That's what he said. (laughs) A biworks. So, yeah, he uh, it's going to be it's going to be something fucking else, dude. Yeah, I have a few ideas that we'll narrow down into what should be an entertaining video. Um, (sighs) It will be. okay. I will say this. I will make this guarantee. This video will be entertaining. You will be entertained. It won't be like the most anything. Like it won't be the most entertaining thing <laughs> you've ever seen. <laughs> but you will be entertained at some viewers, level. Viewers, viewer. participants are going. Oh yeah, viewers, singular. Viewer. Participants are going to be upset. Yeah, and I I'm, am. I'm, nervous. I'm down for this concept. I think it's going to be fun. Oh Lord, <laughs> already nervous. <laughs> all right all right well thanks for listening have a good week and happy belated father's day to all you yeah it's father's day today all you decent fathers out there if you're a priest that doesn't count priests are not fathers i don't care what bullshit they go by they will never know what it's like to be a father if you're a dog dad that doesn't count right (laughs) and also just the sperm donors the absentee fathers go fuck yourself Stop listening to the show. We have to go because the dogs need to eat and they're all. This is why they're being weird. Right. All right. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.